Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Hope comes to earth, the second part. And I'm going to talk this morning about the first visitors. In fact, the ones entrusted with the birth announcement. We tend to have a very sanitised view of the shepherds with flowing robes and fluffy sheep. They're described in many Christmas carols like this. If you've been to a nativity, and I have been to many and directed a few in my time as a teacher, you will have seen an array of crooks, tea towels, dressing gowns and fluffy sheep. When my youngest, Simi, was in his first ever nativity at nursery, he couldn't quite explain to me what part he was going to be. Something about skipping round. Didn't really know what that was going to be, but when I got there, he was dressed completely in white with a very fluffy little white skull cap on his head. So, we sat very excited to see our youngest in his first nativity. He had the part of the lamb and was meant to skip round to visit Jesus in the manger scene. Well, he certainly did skip. He kept skipping round and round and round the audience until a teacher managed to sort of semi-rugby tackle him and direct him to where he should be going. I expect this morning I might ruin any of your sentimental fluffy pictures of the shepherds on the hillside outside Bethlehem. But it's my hope this morning I can replace it with an even more amazing truth of how to respond to God's message from a place of feeling unworthy and unseen by those around us. I'm going to give you a fresh look at the Christmas story, the event through the eyes of the shepherds. This is God's one birth announcement. And imagine you don't know the story. And I told you that God wanted to announce the birth of Jesus, his only son. Whom do you think God would go to? Who would make the cut? Caesar? Emperor of Rome, King Herod, High Priest of Jerusalem, or even the Mayor of Bethlehem. All of them would be logical recipients of God's birth announcement. But the palace doesn't hear, the temple doesn't hear, Jerusalem does not hear. The birth announcement that God gives goes out to a group of anonymous sheep herders on the outskirts of Bethlehem. They are forever seen in our imagination, like this wooden figure. No, it's not chocolate. Beth and Ben thought I was going to eat its head off earlier on. It's not chocolate. It's a wooden figure of the shepherds. And we can think in our heads about the shepherds being a bit like this, being belonging in that Christmas story. But the reality is, They didn't belong there. In fact, they didn't belong anywhere. And to see Christmas through their eyes, we have to understand their situation. There were few occupations more demanding or degrading than a shepherd. 
They were the last people you'd expect God to take notice of. They were religious outcasts. And according to the religious law of the time, they were unclean because their work was seven days a week job and it prevented them from participating in religious feasts and holy days. They never got to the temple to make sacrifices. They were also social outcasts, constantly on the move, finding new pastures for their flocks. They were not permitted to give testimony in legal proceedings because their words weren't considered trustworthy. They really did not have much contact with other people. They were with their sheep 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even sleeping in their sheep pen to guard against theft or animal attack. They didn't exactly smell of pine needles and mince pies. They were loners. So the shepherds did not belong at the crib side of a newborn king yet. God chose the most important birth announcement in the history to go to smelly, social and religious excluded shepherds. Why? When I reread the Christmas story at the beginning of Advent, I really focused on Luke chapter 2. And here I found four reasons why and how the shepherds' responses teach us today how to respond to the promise of Christmas. I'm going to read it from the voice version to just give it a really fresh view this morning. Luke chapter 2. Nearby in the fields outside of Bethlehem, a group of shepherds were guarding their flocks in the darkness of night. Suddenly, a messenger of the Lord stood in front of them and the darkness was replaced by a glorious light, the shining light of God's glory. They were terrified. The messenger said, do not be afraid. Listen, I bring you good news, news of great joy, news that will affect all people everywhere. Today in the city of David, a liberator has been born for you. He is the promised anointed one, the supreme authority. You will know you have found him when you see a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a feeding trough. And at that moment, the first heavenly messenger was joined by thousands of others. They became a vast heavenly choir and they praised God. To the highest heights of the universe, glory to God and on earth, peace among all people who bring pleasure to God. As soon as the heavenly messengers disappeared into heaven, the shepherds were buzzing with conversation. Let's rush down to Bethlehem right now. Let's see what's happening. Let's experience what the Lord has told us about. So they ran into town and eventually they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the feeding trough. After they saw the baby, they spread the story of what they'd experienced and what had been said to them about this child. Everyone who heard the story couldn't stop thinking about its meaning. Mary too 
pondered all of these events, treasuring each memory in her heart. And the shepherds returned to their flocks, praising God for all they'd seen and heard, and they glorified God for the way the experience had unfolded, just as the heavenly messengers had predicted. And so they listened well. They made peace. They overcame fear and they truly learned how to behold. So their first response was that they heard or listened well. Maybe God could sense they were the only ones listening, alone in the fields, not distracted, but attentive and responsive. They conveyed to the others and spread the story of their own eyewitness accounts. And everyone who heard it couldn't stop thinking about its meaning. In Romans 10, verse 17, it says this. So, faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. I struggle to hear well, as I'm always trying to multitask. Neil often says, I did explain that to you, but you weren't listening. Well, the accurate lesson answer is that yes, but no. Yes, I remember you speaking to me about it. In that sense, I heard it. But no, I didn't really let it sink in. Let's not be distracted by keeping busy, but stop and hear well spiritually. The shepherds seem to have been more deeply affected by the message than the rest of the people. It could be that they weren't distracted and really let the message into their lives. You see, if a message is challenging or hard to believe, it's easy to dismiss it by focusing on the messengers. Why believe someone like that? We ourselves are in a very similar position, as our society seems to have a culture-wide attention deficit disorder. It is at times really easy not to really hear the word of God, because it comes to us through not very spectacular means. The Bible's a long book, and it is by no means a simple read. We can find it hard to follow and sometimes hard to follow Bible teaching. It's too boring. I'm too distracted. The lesson is that the medium is not the message. We must not ignore uncomfortable truths just because they come through an unimpressive messenger. While hearing, but not really hearing, is bad for our relationships, it is absolutely destructive of our relationship with God. The scriptures contain such valuable treasure, greater than gold or silver. Beware of missing out on them because of the flawed character of any messenger. Be like the shepherds, not just hearing God's word with our ears, but with our mind and our soul. And then it will comfort, convict and change us. 
The second response of the shepherds was to make peace. Let's remind ourselves of what peace means in the Bible. It's not a general peacefulness with prosperity and a trouble-free life. Peace means the end of enmity and warfare. And the most important peace is peace with God. The natural human heart wants to be in charge and it's hostile to God's claims of lordship over us. The self-centred desire to command and control leads to conflict with others. And so hostilities with God lead to hostilities with others. There is no peace on earth because there is no peace with God. But the proclamation of Christians is God and sinners reconciled. Jesus comes as the perfect mediator by assuming a human nature. He bridges the gap dies for our sins, heals the breach and makes peace. As it's put so well in Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus our Lord has done for us. Through the grace of God, and Jesus being born. Peace with God is available. If we make peace with God, then we can go and make peace with everybody else. The third response of the shepherds was to fear not. I love how that's put in the King James Version. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. If we accept these good tidings, it should end fear. We should fear not. But how, you might ask? In the story, it says the shepherds were terrified. You'd expect that. However, there is more here that's going on. Throughout the Bible, people experienced anxiety and fear when they got near to God or even angels. And it all goes back to Genesis chapter 3. Because in the beginning, we were designed for a perfect relationship with God no fear involved. Adam and Eve broke this perfect relationship and were filled with fear after listening to the lies of the devil. They let this lie sink into their hearts. You need to be in charge of your life because then you will be happy. That lie has been passed down into every human heart and creates a fear of trusting God. So the shepherds experienced fear of the unexpected and also fear of God's presence because as humans, we are alienated from God. The angel, however, has an astonishing message of hope. You don't have to be afraid anymore if you look at what I am showing you. The fear that can dwell in us can be dispelled for good. How? The angels say, fear not, but look. And this is the last response of the shepherds, to look or behold. The word behold is usually found in older Bible translations of this story. And there really is a Greek word in the original text. The angel actually literally says, do not be fearing, be perceiving, for I am telling you the gospel 
Behold, and you won't be afraid. If you take time to behold what is in the gospel message, it will remove all fear in your life. To the degree to which you truly behold, gaze at, grasp, relish and internalise and rejoice in the gospel to that degree the fears of your life will be undermined. What is this gospel? The good news at which we must gaze like the shepherds did. It is a saviour is born. You see, God did not merely write us information about himself. He wrote himself into the drama of history. And that just, just, just really fills me with such joy and hope this morning. He wrote himself into the drama of history. He came into our world as Jesus Christ to save us and die for us. So let's look. Behold. Look with fresh eyes at what he did at Christmas. See how the shepherds show us how to hear well, to make peace, to fear not, and to truly behold. The shepherds are proof that God's message of hope is for everyone. Faithful churchgoer, seeker, sceptic. With God, everyone makes the cut. And I'd really like to finish the talk this morning by praying this Advent prayer and blessing over you. May you remember that what holds you in a storm is not your strength, but the strength of the one who guards you. This Advent, may your gaze be set on Christ who gives hope, peace, love and joy. And may you set your soul on him who has set his love on you. Thank you for listening. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.